I was going to ask somebody who likes reading the Bible to read the reading for me. Would somebody come and come on, mate? Um, what we got? It's Matthew fourteen, twenty-two to thirty-six. Okay. There you go. Jesus walks on water. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. But meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are. The Son of God, they exclaimed. Oh, mate. Give him a round of applause. Oh, you, you ought to be on the radio, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, it's great. We, um, we had a time of prayer just now in the little room there. And, uh, and suddenly, from nowhere, the Spirit seemed to come on us, didn't it? And uh, it was like, oh, like that sort of thing. You can't fake this stuff. It's you know, it's it's the spirit when the spirit moves. And uh, as we were praying in, in the spirit, uh, am I doing something wrong? Yeah, it's all echoing, is it? Yes. There you go. It's better. I had a picture of you know the red arrows, and. Uh, and when we were up there, and everybody was in formation, and it was like I was in my plane, and uh, and I was looking across to somebody else in their plane, and we were going like that, like the Second World War sort of thing, you know. And um, I was aware that as long as we did what the squadron leader said, we're going to show off the glory of God. And, 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 and I started to think, what does this mean? And I'm, th- I'm starting to think, well, I, I can see that, that my fellow red arrows are all of us here, you know? And I'm proud of the red arrows. I'm proud that I can be part of something. When you sit and watch the red arrows, you go, whoa, whoa, you know? They're doing things that are actually glorious, you know? And I think, you know, when you look at Jesus, 
his church today is the Red Arrows. And he, he looks across and he says, oh, that's one, of my, that's one of my fighter planes there. That's one of my fighter planes. I could go all around the, the whole church and say, each one is one of my fighter planes. I want to ask just a simple question. Are you proud of the Red Arrows? Are you proud of your family? God's family, I am. You know, I often think, what would Jesus do if he came and stood in front of us? He'd be saying, thank you. Thank you. He'd be going all around there, each one of us, and he'd be saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'd all be sitting there thinking we're not very good Christians, and he'd be saying, thank you. Thank you. And he, but I'm just an ordinary bringing up my kids, or I'm just a student, or I'm just a grandma, or I'm just a... I don't know, just an ordinary person. And God's saying, hey, receive it. Thank you. And I had a word just as I was preparing it. It was a funny word from God. Quite often you know it's from God because it's a bit funny. You have to work it out. And the word was relax shoulders. Relax shoulders. That's a funny word to say to a church. But as I thought about it, I thought... It's like if Jesus stood in front of this church, he'd say, hey, relax shoulders. Accept my love. Accept my pride in you. I'm proud of the church, you know? Most of my life, people <laughs> criticizing people in the church, and you know? But I am proud when the worship band was playing. I'm thinking, oh, what a great worship band, you know? And, and, and like the spirit of God came in, and it's, uh, you know, you can, Spirit of God, I look, at, I look at Dave's face and it shines with Jesus, you know? And I think of, I think each one, each one, we've all got some particular gift or bent or, you know? Each one carries something. Aren't you proud of the church? I am. There was a falump in my house a few weeks ago. And a falump is when the, something goes through the post box. It was falump. And I, I picked up the falump. It's a parcel, opened the parcel up. As I eased it out, there was a title. The book. Got it. You got it. And, I, and it was our our Yvonne, as we would call it, our Yvonne. Had written a book, an army of ordinary people. And there's one of these songs, you know, that I love singing. There's an army rising up. You know that one? There's an army rising up. And I believe it's an army of <coughs> ordinary people. We're in an age where we all like the YouTube thing of the bloke strutting up and down on the stage, the super Christians, you know? Or the really good Bible teacher, the person that prays and people fall over and, you know, we see these all these super Christians, you know? But I believe the Lord is like so proud of the, the ordinary and he's, he's kind of got a word for the ordinary. And why I love this story here, why I love this story is it's a bunch of ordinary guys trying to go against the wind, you know? And, and, and then I think, oh, they're not doing very well here. We're not, you know, everything's getting a little bit serious here. I was in a situation in Australia. It's really interesting because I, I met Kevin Colwell. You know, Kevin from Poverty, the pastor. I met him in the jungle in Australia. Crazy. Yeah, I know. So my son lives out there and he does adventure sports, right? And that's my fault. I've got them going. Now the poor old guy's got to do all these adventures and things like tombstoning and all sorts of things. I learned to paddleboard and all that stuff, you know? 
So he took us out, paddleboarding, and I did my tombstoning all right, and, and then back on the paddleboard, and there's his old dad, you know, I'm getting on a bit now. And uh, we're going to this kind of headland. He says, oh, look, we're just going around the headland there, because he speaks a bit funny now. Uh, just around the headland, I could see, I could see, I mean, the clouds are getting really strong, really black clouds, heavy black clouds. But just by the headland, there's these two, like, fins, right? And I'm looking at these fins. I say, I don't believe this. This is not a dolphin. <laughs> and I say, Seth, do you think, can you see those two fins by the headland there? He says, yeah, Dad. I said, do you think we should really be um, pedalling towards them? No, probably not, Dad. <laughs> There was a guy recently just down the road from that where he got eaten by that. So just then he said, I think we should probably head between, there's a little gap just between the, the island there and, and the head, just in the, the, the mainland there. We don't go around the headland. Uh, we'll go between, and just as he said that, all hell broke loose. This storm broke loose. Absolute torrential storm, monsoon stuff. I'm down on my knees. My mouth's gone right, absolutely dry. I'm thinking, what a, what a inglorious way to die. <laughs> you know? I thought I wanted to die in Afghanistan or something, you know, like something, you know? And I'm thinking, I either get dashed against the, the rocks because it was just coming in. You know, just a real storm. It's just a change like that. And I said, but the alternative is to disappear in a cloud of blood and jaws, doom, 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 you know? So, <laughs> And we got through the little, oh dear, and we ended up on the, on the beach, you know, and it gets up and goes, oh, that was exciting, wasn't it, Dad? I'm going, oh. <coughs> but it, it kind of made me think of the, of the fear, of the energy that they were putting in to try and get that boat across in the story. And, and they got a situation where they're, they're getting a bit desperate. I know what that feeling is. And I found in my life that, seems to be a story in my life, that when the things are at their worst, when it seems like I'm getting nowhere and I'm losing the energy and I'm starting to realise I'm, I'm being overcome, I'm being overcome here, it's then that Jesus has turned up. And so often, listen to people's stories, their testimonies. It's at the point, God lives, somebody said, I heard this one, God lives on Desperation Corner. Isn't that true? You hear the stories where things have, the storm has risen, we've sung it in here about battles. And it's at that point that we have a choice. We're in the boat, trying hard to live this life. And then Jesus turns up and he says something that I don't think, I think is absolutely ridiculous what he says. I think it's the last thing you'd, you'd say. He says and turns to us and he says, get out the boat. Are you joking? Walk towards me. And I love it because he said it to Peter. We already heard about Peter. I mean, what an ordinary, 
normal guy. He's always getting in. Have you seen The Chosen? <coughs> he's always having problems, Peter, because he's a kind of say things and think later type guy, isn't he? But he gets out of the boat. first thing that Jesus says first thing Jesus says is like do not fear it is I now fear is my best friend I know him really well he turns up all the time he turned up several years ago we'd been to Sri Lanka after the an army. And we got this idea we could carry the cross in Sri Lanka. So we buy a ticket and then fear turns up. I get a phone call from Sri Lanka saying don't come. You'll get killed. Or we'll get killed. Or we'll be beaten up. It's going to be it's going to be dangerous if you come. Now one of the things I, I realised I've been brought up in Churchianity, British churchianity. I've not faced the potential of being killed before for my faith. It doesn't focus things. Because if God's real, well, fair enough. But if he's not real, I'd be killed. So we get to Sri Lanka. And that night, before we started with the cross, <coughs> we tried to get to sleep. And there was like an evil presence in the room. And when I woke up in the morning, I'd, I'd been through a really hard night where you feel, have you ever had that? Where you feel an evil presence? Do you, have you ever experienced that? I, I have. And then I find out that my wife at that time experienced it. And then my friend, Dave Bailey, experienced the same thing. Oh, uh, uh, and we were just <coughs> absolutely overcome by fear. And then my wife started to sing a few worship songs. We walked out the door. And uh, I put the cross on my shoulder. Now remember, we're just thinking it's all going to go wrong. We're, we're the guys that don't really think this is actually, you know, it's, gonna, it, it's really scary. And we walked down the street and there's a, a little man with sort of googly glasses uh, with, a, with a standard Indian black bike. You know, they all back bikes. So I always say, whenever I get out carrying the cross, share with Jesus for the first person you meet. Because if you don't, you'll, you won't get the courage to talk to anybody else. So go for the first person. So as I go through this guy, past this guy, he says, what are you doing? I'm not going to take off an Indian accent, but what are you doing? I said, we're praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in Sri Lanka. And he sort of nodded his head and he said, why don't you come to St. Peter's Church in Colombo? You will find on Wednesday night 500 people in that church praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in Sri Lanka. Now, is that God? Is that Jesus turning up in the middle of fear? 
ever, you know, when you listen to people that are on a mission, one thing that seems to be, every chapter seems to be, they're faced with a situation where there's this storm, where there's this problem, they can't solve the problem, and then the chapter ends with how Jesus comes to them and starts doing things. My wife, at that time, got anaphylactic shock. If anybody's a doctor here knows what anaphylactic shock, it can kill you. She's there, we're in the jungle, and we've met this guy who could speak English. She used to work as a policeman in Streatham. As you do. So he, he lets us stay with his friends, and my wife got more and more. She started swelling up. She looked like, she looked like her face was just absolutely, she was going under. And I didn't know what to do. But Brian turned up from Streatham. Sri Lankan guy, and he said, I just felt I should come back to visit you. And she t- he turned to my, my wife at that time and she said, you're very ill. You are very ill. Well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I go to the Seventh-day Adventist just church. And we've got a hospital in Candy, and uh, I'm going to take you. And he took her, saved her life. Jesus turned up. While I'm in the hospital, feeling a f- bit of a fraud, sitting there while she's getting all the drugs and stuff like that. My friend's were there, some friends are from Germany, they were there, and, and he was from East Germany, so he was really scared of things like the Stasi and the secret police, so he was a very, very nervous guy in that way. And some guys came by on motorbikes, going like that with their fists, you know? And we were going to the Mecca of Buddhism, which is a place called Kandy. You know, it's like taking, taking the cross to Mecca, you know? It's a bit silly, really, you know? And then we're going to the police, and we are going to the police, and... And he started to, they started to panic. And they'd left their children over in Bangladesh because they were missionaries in Bangladesh. And out of nowhere came this little old man. And you know what he said to them? Jesus is really pleased with what you're doing. And then he turned to the girl and said, you're worried about your children, aren't you? They're okay. Everything's fine. Don't worry. And then they looked around, it disappeared. Disappeared. This is God. And and, and it it seems to go on all my life that Jesus comes at that point. And 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 that's where the stories start coming. And the problem is, is we're human. The problem is, is if you're the same as me, and I guess you probably are, is that you get to points where you actually doubt. Do you do that? Do you ever have times when you're, when you think, even in the middle of a church service, is God really real? Do you? Or is it just me? No. Our problem is that our faith can go out the window. When, that, when the storm starts coming on, our faith goes out the window. And I'm guilty. And I don't want to get out the boat. Because at least I've got a bit of security in the boat. You know? It's not actually totally going under at this pressure. And I want to suggest that we as Christians have got a choice. It's kind of the choice that a guy called President Hoaxer made a certain choice in his country in Albania. He said, oh, the Americans are coming. He pronounced Albania as the the first totally atheistic country. And he thought the Americans are coming, so he, he had loads of air raid shelters made. And if you go through Albania, you see like, they're like big tortoises. 
massive things. You had to play football in them. And the idea was when the Americans came, everybody had to get into the shelter and bolt down, and somehow Albania would be saved. I want to suggest that that temptation in my life, and maybe the life of you as Christians, the temptation is say, let's stay in the church. Let's stay in our little boat. Let's, let's, not, <coughs> let's not rock the boat. Let's be nice Christians. And so we do things that are nice, which are really good. We're, we're known for food bank. Great, great Britain. We're known for street pastors. It's great things. We're known for mums and tops. It's really great things. Nobody gets upset with us. They even give us a bit of money sometimes to do it. But as soon as you start getting out the boat to say that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the one way to heaven, things like that, well, then you turn from a nice guy to a dangerous person. Now, I've seen the change since I've started evangelising. I used to go in schools, and then I went back to the school headmaster. I said, can I get back and do the assemblies? They used to love me. It was nice. You go to the streets, oh, wicked assembly limbs. All the kids know it's a fantastic thing. Schools where it's great. You get to know the whole kids, the whole area. So I went back to the headmaster. So I said, can I come back to the school? And he said, well, um, uh, well, you couldn't sort of say the sort of thing that you used to say. And I said, what? what? I, the worst thing I ever used to say in the school assemblies was that I personally believed that God loves every pupil in this room. I personally believe God loves every member of staff. You know, I say this every time I come to the school. God loves you. I used to say that. And the kids used to come up, so oh, thank you so much for the assemblies. It was, like, it was like being a hero, but I was no longer a hero. Dead pan face. Well, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I've got a problem with that. I said, what? It's in the SACRA guidelines. He said, no, some of my, most of my colleagues would be very unhappy about that. You know, that's, that's, and you've got this new atmosphere, it's happening throughout Great Britain, where we don't mention the war, and we certainly don't mention Jesus. And it doesn't get mentioned, like the Queen was a Christian, but that's about as much talk about Jesus that we've had this year on TV. And it's becoming unfashionable to be born again, to be evangelical and happy, clappy and all that I am. It's unfashionable. So I went back to the principal of the local college. I've been going to that college for 20 years, sharing Jesus with the students. First principal, he was Catholic. He said, come on in, we want you in the college. The second principal was an evangelical Anglican. Come on in, come into the college. But the deputy principal, he was brought up in a Baptist church. I don't know what happened. Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't know what happened in that Baptist church, but something happened. He would come into the, into the refectory and I could, I could almost feel him glaring at me. I was trying to share Jesus, glaring at me. And eventually he became principal. And I was in the area and I could see him glaring at me. And I just finished talking to a young girl about Jesus. And I turned around and he goes. So he takes me to his, his room. And he starts to say, we've had a complaint about you. And I thought, oh, here we go again. And I said, look, I love your students. I just want to share Jesus with them. I just want to be honest. And he absolutely, have you seen Hitler on TV? Guy acting Hitler, he was just like that. He banged the table, he was spitting. He said, I will not have the name of Jesus mentioned on my campus. 
And I was so embarrassed, I started laughing. I said, oh, good job, I'm not Muslim. And he said, whatever, well, name of Mohammed, you know. And he threw me out. The name of Jesus. And I see the way, forgive me, this is not, this is not depression stuff, but I see how political connect, correctness and all this stuff. And we've got this word woke, whatever that means, where it's, you know, you can't, you can't say that, people will offend people. Oh, that'll offend. And everybody's like easily offended. You can't say anything without somebody getting offended. So I'm in the street just preaching Jesus and the police turn up. And I'm having to justify preaching Jesus to the police. I thought it was a fr- And the clouds are getting darker. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? In this country. And we think, well, will the church of God, will it die out? If I was human, I would say, I think I'll just batten down and be the last of the Christians, like the last of the Mohicans, you know, just batten down. But it's not what Jesus says. Jesus talks, talks to Peter and he says, and think of the guy that Peter was, an ordinary guy like me, like you. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now that's, that's a little bit warlike. That's a bit like onward Christian soldiers. That's a bit like a, kind of aggressive almost. Because he says, against my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What's the church doing? It's moving forward. It's going from the position of the boat. It's getting out of the boat. And it's making itself vulnerable, but it's going forward. And the devil don't like it. I love that bit. They don't like it, Mr. Mannery. You know? As soon as you start sharing Jesus, one of the signs that God's at work is opposition. You know, just before you go out, you feel ill, don't you? Or you feel you have a row with your wife or something happens. Doesn't that happen? It's, it's like the devil attacks. It gives me a chest infection before coming here. I think, oh, I'm going to have to phone up and say I can't do it. And I stuff it. I'm going forward. Yeah? It's because you're actually making a difference. Now, the problem is that sometimes you're kind of doing the rowing bit. And you're running the youth group and you're, you're a chaplain or a pastor of the church. And, or you're doing the mums and tots or you're, you're a granny or you're, you're, you're a childminder or whatever you are, a builder or whatever. You are, and you're doing your bit. And I think I'm not really doing much here in Christian life. I'm not, I'm not a super Christian. I'm just. Paddling away. And God's got a different view of you that you've got of yourself. You, yeah. You're an ordinary person, but you're not just an ordinary person. You're an MS person. Do you understand? <laughs> you're a man of God. You're a warrior. And something's happening in the church of God. I believe it's happening all over this country. And there's a new sign we're starting to worship Jesus because we know when we worship Jesus, there is an army rising up. There's a power. And we're getting out the streets doing our carol singing and all the rest of it. And we're starting to be naughty people. People are... And just imagine if you go down to the woods tonight, you're in for a big surprise. You go down into Orpington or, or, or Redruth. It's happening in Redruth next week. And you walk down innocuously doing your shopping with your whatever... And suddenly there are 200 Christians there worshipping Jesus in the streets. Do you think the devil's going to like that? When the power of God comes in worship, 
You know, I was, I was worshipping God in a little place called Arkin in Germany. This was with John Presley. And there was a little girl there with one guitar, singer girl. And all she's singing is Faithful One. Remember that song? Faithful One. So got me first through my first divorce, that song. And she's just singing Faithful One, so unchanging. The presence of God was in the street. In the, in the street. The presence of God was in the street. You could feel it. Just like you felt the presence just there and there. The presence of God was in the street. And there was this woman turns up with a shopping. Standard production, German woman. And she's walking down and she sees the singing and feels the presence of God. She drops the shopping and she goes, ah, ah, like that. Was, was is this? Now, my German is so good, I knew what she meant by that. <laughs> so I happen to know, because I went to a John Wimber conference, and I used to listen to the interpreter in German. I happen to know that the Holy Spirit's called the Heilige Geist, right, the German lesson. So my, I said, don't worry, darling, it's all right, it's the Heilige Geist. And she said, she could speak a bit of English, she said, you know, I have been looking, is anybody German here? I get told off to take people's accents off. I have been looking for Jesus, for this feeling all my life. I, this is what I've been looking for. Yeah? She received Jesus just like that. Because the gates of hell could not prevail against that power of worship. And I, I have to encourage, I feel like what the Lord's saying to me, encourage the people to realise that they're actually an army, an army of ordinary people. And they're really, he is so proud of us, each one of us, he would go up to each other and he would say, I love you. I, like, I think Jesus is a bit like Jesus and the Chosen. Have you seen that? He's a nice guy. He makes me feel like, oh, I'm okay. I'm part of his army. But I, I find sometimes when nothing's happening, my faith gets lower and lower. And I think that I'm not making any difference. And God says, just get out of that boat and keep walking. Keep walking. I've done a lot of walking. And sometimes when I'm walking, I have to say it's really boring. Nothing's going on. And I start to doubt that this is really worthwhile. It happened, happened going back yesterday. I think, is this worthwhile? Is this worth it? And I was walking up to a place called Blaina, top of a valley. We went to Pontypool, I think it was. Pontypool. And we're there with the crosses, me and my Welsh friend. And everybody, I mean everybody, didn't want to know. Didn't want to know. I'm talking to everybody we talked to. Even got the person from the job centre come out and say, can you get away from the job centre? Stop talking to my clients, you know? Antagonism. So I wasn't really full of vigour and vim walking up to Blenheim. It was just a long walk in the hot sun. And we got to Blenheim. Blenheim was a bit like where I live in Red Ruth. Can anything good come out of Red Ruth? You know, it's like, it's an ex-mining town. It's full of sort of vaping shops and sort of tattoo things. That's all there is there in the centre of town. Boarded up buildings. It's a rubbish place. And Plano is ex-mining town. And we get to there and there's the usual sense of what my mum used to call yobos. Can you remember that phrase? Oh, Lindsay Bach, she used to say, don't go and talk to all those yobos in the town centre. They're just yobos. And she, she didn't want me to evangelise, and they were my people. So I've got all these kids in front of me, and we've got the two crosses. And I, my mind went back to an experience I had in, in Truro. Come on, kids. 
And in Truro, there were, there were loads of kids in the street, and I had about five people with me. And I said, kids, guys, I'm going to give each one of these five people just 30 seconds to say what Jesus has done. They, they took more than 30 seconds, but each one gave their testimony. And then I said to these guys in Truro, I said, is there anybody here who would like Jesus in their heart? You've heard what he's done for five people now. Is there anybody like Jesus? And this guy puts his hand up straight away. Straight away. The other guys cleared off, and this guy said, I do. He prayed to accept Jesus into his heart, gave his life to Jesus. And then he turned back, and he turned back, and I'll never forget this. Please listen to this. He said, the reason why I accepted Jesus was that recently I committed suicide. He didn't say, I tried to commit suicide. I committed suicide. He said, get out, mate, what? He said, I committed suicide. And when I died, I saw things that I know there's a God. I want to be right with God. Paramedics brought me back. Boom. I was back in my body again. But I want to be like right with God. That's what he said. I want to be right with God. Doesn't that build your faith up? Gave his heart to Jesus. So there's me with a little Welsh bunch of kids. I thought I'd try that again. So I just said, and in the gospel, I said, is there anybody here who would like to receive Jesus? And again, one lad, tough guy, muscle man, came forward. I said, why are you so quick to receive Jesus? He said, some Americans came to my town a few years ago, and they prayed over me, and I felt the presence of God. And, and, and I was doing my rugby, and, and then I started taking drugs and drinking, and I, I got dropped from the rugby team. I've made a mess of my life. I, 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 want, I want Jesus in my life. Wow. He prayed to accept the Lord. I went down the street and there was a plumber. So I talked to them about the plumber. And then a big muscle guy goes to this doing weightlifting guys. And he slapped me on the head. He says, well done, boy. Well done. So I followed the muscle man into this church. It wasn't a church at all. It was a gym. And uh, I said, where's that fellow that's just come in? Oh, he's in the gym, man. There's big machines like torture machines doing all this stuff, you know. And I started talking to this guy, Gareth. And Gareth says, oh, it's someone of you going. I, I'm born again. I don't like church much, but I, I, I love Jesus. And I, as I walked out, my friend was talking to the manager of the, of the gym. He was about 60-year-old muscles, squat guy, big fella. And we had a great chat to him. When I got home, after a few weeks, I felt God saying, I want you to send a copy of your book to that Jim owner. So I sent him this book, and then about a year went by. A year. <coughs> I got a phone call. Is that Lindsay Hammond? I said, yes. Well, you don't, won't remember me, but I, I owned a gym in a place called Blano. I said, yeah, I know, mate. He says, well, I sold the gym, and I moved to Pembrokeshire. <coughs> he says, I don't understand what's happened to me. I'm out walking the dog, and I start praising God. I, 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 start, I started reading the Bible, he says. I don't know what's happened. Something's happened because I just seem to have fallen in love with God. Do you think I got born again? <laughs> I said, yeah, you got born again. And the next year I was in Pembrokeshire and I met the guy and his wife and they really have found Jesus. They're out there. They're out there. People who are looking and the gates of hell starting to push against the gates of hell. One last story. Do you know, I like telling this story because it's just funny. It's real. Well, a guy came into our church and he prayed to accept Jesus. And as he prayed to accept Jesus, he felt this like burning in his heart. 
because he accepted Jesus. So I knew this was a possibility. So I go past this bus stop, and there's this guy, and you can see that he's lived life. You can see the, the pain in his face, you know, the tattoos and all the rest of it. And he's visiting his children, and he's let off from his wife. And I get talking about Jesus, and you can see he wants to accept Jesus. <coughs> so we start to pray. Come on, let's just pray. As I bow my head down, the guy says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, he says. That's my bus. I've been waiting here for half an hour. And so, and so, right? That happens so often. If you get on the street, I'm sure you guys just about to accept Jesus and the phone call will go on. Mate will turn up and the devil says, oh, we're trying to stop this going on. So I thought that's another one. Never mind, that was a good, that was a good near miss. But <coughs> he starts to walk towards the bus and the bus goes straight by. He says... I've been waiting there for half an hour. So he walks towards me and I said, come on, that was a sign. God wants you to accept Jesus. There's a spiritual battle going on here. The devil don't want you to accept Jesus. God wants you to accept Jesus. Come on, give your heart to Jesus now. And he got drugs and all that sort of background. Anyway, so we're just about, this is true. This is not London, Saturday night, London play, it's true. Just about to accept Jesus into his life. And the other bus came. Honestly, seriously. He said, I've got to catch this one now. I'm sorry. And I'm thinking, ah. But as he's just about to get on the bus, he suddenly turns around and he says, but I do thank you for all your time. Thank you very much. I really appreciate And as he's saying thank you, the bus drives away. <laughs> Can't believe it. So I said, come on, mate. Come on. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. So then he prays with me. And as he's praying, I'm just trying to learn that the Holy Spirit's real. You know, as he's praying, my hand starts to burn hot. Got my hand on his shoulder, it's burning hot. And he gets to the bit where he says, Jesus, come into my heart. And as soon as he says that, suddenly he goes, Oh, oh, he goes, My heart, he says, it's burning. He goes, And he gets his, pulls his, he goes, He says, I feel this heat on my heart. Unfortunately, because I had that. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. As God's showing you, he loves you. He loves your heart. Oh, thank you. So I do. I can feel him. No, seriously, I can't. He's going like that. It was so real. It was so real. It was like the Bible times, you know. And I said, listen, mate. Listen, mate. Look, Jesus is coming to your heart, but you're going to go cold again. You've got to read the Bible. New Testament, right? That's the bit at the end. Get reading that book. Whatever you say, whatever you read, do whatever it says. Just read it. But you're going to need to know other Christians. You've got to go to a church now, not a dead church. A church where people love Jesus. I'm really saying you've got to mix with Christians. That's what I'm saying more and more. You've got, you've got. So he goes, oh, oh. I said, come on, where do you live, mate? Oh, oh sorry, I, I live in Cumbran. 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 As it happened, there was a move of the spirit in the church in Cumbran. Remember that? Victory Church. So I say, ah, there's a great church in Cumbran. It's called Victory Church. Oh, I know Victory Church. All my friends are alcoholics and drug addicts. They all go, say, well, you get along to Cumbran Church. And you just grow into it. Oh, my bus now. i got to go. And he gets on the bus. Now, can you see how I went home that night thinking, oh, he taught me a lesson. 
He taught me a lesson that when I'm thinking that nothing's going on, when I'm thinking this is hard work, when I'm thinking that I'm just rowing that boat, you say, get out of the boat, reach out, reach out, and I will touch you. And it might be for today, just maybe, just maybe, I don't know any, all of you, it might be that you think, I want to touch Jesus. I'm going under. I'm looking at waves a bit in my life, and I'm going under. And Jesus is saying to you, would you just reach out, allow somebody to pray for you? Maybe you've never said to Jesus, I give my heart to you. Maybe you've never done it. Do it today. He's here. Jesus is here. He wants to reach out. Or maybe you're like me. You need encouragement in your Christian walk. Remember how I started this about the airplanes? We're in formation. We're supposed to love each other. When people come and pray for me, I love it. I love being prayed for because I feel loved. Sometimes they say things that they, they don't mean to say. And I say, how do you know all about me? It's because the Holy Spirit spoke to me. We need to pray for each other. And it might be today that you need encouragement. You need Word from Jesus, where God says to you, okay, Mr. Ordinary, I want to do extra ordinary things in your life. And what you'll end up is what I would call an army of dangerous people. Rob White, leader of Youth of Christ, he said a vision. The vision was in McDonald's. There's a girl and a boy standing next to him in this vision. And there's a whole bunch of kids in the corner. And when the boy says to the girl, who are those people in the corner? And the girl says, oh, don't go near them. They're born-again Christians. They're dangerous people. I saw it happen five years ago here in Orpington, McDonald's. There's John Preston and a bunch of Christians. Those kids saying, go over, go on, go on, go on, go on let that John Presley pray for you. Go and listen to the stories around that table. It actually happened, I saw it with my eyes. So I finished with this army of ordinary people. There's an army rising up and you're part of it. Be encouraged. I hope this encouraged you this morning. And uh, thank you.